Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Now, I'll tell you the honest truth, I am so glad that that movie was over. Not only did it hold up time for me coming here tonight, but it also got in the way in terms of everything else. Like, I mean, I know, like, what I said about the Forgotten Tales movie, but this movie dealing with pizza and gorgeous sucked. And not only that, the pizza was only in it for, like, the smallest part of the movie, and it was the most interesting thing. Ugh, terrible film, terrible. But other than that, though, no, their ears don't deceive them. I'm here right now, because this is a Secret Saturday special, hosted on... Welcome to the J-Man Show, here on... K360 Radio. What's going on, J360 Legion? How are you all doing tonight? This is J-Man, of course, here with another episode of the J-Man Show for you all. I've been meaning to do a double special, and uh, since one of my own has uh, fell, um, let's just say he's not exactly 100% there right now, <laughs> I figured, hey, you know what, instead of doing the haul episode today, we could go ahead and do the haul episode on Wednesday. He should be better by then. And meanwhile, I can go ahead and get this double special idea underway. So yeah, here you go. A secret Saturday special tonight. You know something? Coming off of that jams withdrawal was really good, too. Because that was one hell of a party, wasn't it? If you didn't get the experience, J360 Jams 34, you are sorely missing out. Because that was one of the best episodes that me and the Jam fam have done in a long time. Then again... Every single one of them were pretty damn good. So it's like, you know, <laughs> the streak continues. And I'm very happy about that. And speaking of which, as we are still doing the Monster Fest for at least two more weeks, I am very excited to tell you that it's been going pretty well here, especially with the turnabouts on things. It's the Anthology Week right now, and what I've been seeing lately is of varying quality. I mean, like, I'm not going to go ahead and act like a complete film snob about it, because some of these movies are actually actually the resume for a lot of multiple different directors out there. You understand what I'm saying? And this is the big break for them. And I, and I wish nothing but the best for directors out there, especially those that started off like I did. We see before Wilmington University, where I refined my craft, I actually started, you know, on my own with a book and a tape camcorder. So, I mean, it's not that easy, but, I mean, at the same time, it's so rewarding. 
and it just gets you going, like, you know, especially if you got an idea, which is why when I look at people and I see them complain on social media and I see, like, they just sit there, like, bumps on a log and stuff, and I'm like, damn, I mean, if it's that much of a problem to you, why don't you just go and get, like, a one-subject notebook, sit there, write all the problems you have with modern filmmaking, and then while you're at it, go ahead and start doing some world-building, start developing a few things. I mean, some people say outlining is a waste of time. Not really. Get your ideas down. It saves you a lot of time if you do it. You understand what I'm saying? But the point is, is just fire up Final Draft or so. Some people use Celtics, I think. But go to work. You understand? That's why I don't really hang around on some social media outlets that much. I don't Facebook that much. I really don't use Twitter that much unless I have to market these shows. And, you know... It is what it is. But still, though, if you're willing to drop me a line on Happy Birthday, J-Man, on October 30th, that's pretty nice. I'd like that. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't read it sometimes. It's just that, hey, I got to go to work, you know? And that's the way I feel about movies in general. Like, people complain all the time, but they don't do anything about it. And that's a damn shame. And there's a lot of horror movies that are made in that whole subject. I can clearly say this about anything that either gets a one or a two on the Monster Fest... I can always say this, though, at least they made a damn movie. Whereas a lot of people, you understand what I'm saying, pine and aspire for it, and they don't. So that's very, you know, very interesting. Because, yeah, this this movie was made. However, like, Forgotten Tales, you can tell, like, it was kind of boring in some aspects. It was three different stories. And then only two of them interlocked with each other, whereas the one that's in the middle, kind of iffy. But it was boring at times, too, because... They use the whole when a stranger calls uh, template. You know, and I can't necessarily knock them because, like I said before, like when it's a first-time director or so, that's usually the scenario they go because it's easy to do. All you need is, like, one location and maybe one, two, three, well, two to three people per se because you really don't need the kid there. The kid there is more or less just a plot piece, a MacGuffin, if you will. But it's usually between the babysitter and the insane psycho killer, usually. And you never really see the parents sometimes. You, you know, sometimes it opens with them in the house while it's all going down. And I was looking at that and I was like, you know, as I go about this, I'm like, I'm not trying to judge this movie entirely. But, you know, at least the girl was fighting back against the psycho killer as I was riffing it. You know, and I'm like, yeah, she's holding her own. She's not falling around. She's not tripping anywhere. She's not, you, you know what I'm saying? She's not showing she's weak at all. She's really standing against this otherwise intimidating person. The problem is, is that the guy was, <laughs> the guy was so, um, how can I put it? Like, you know, they, they have a, he's chewing the scenery something awful. And it gets to the point where it's like, he's trying to be smooth and he's trying to be a psycho killer. It's like, nah, bro, you gotta pick one. Are you doing a music video? Or are you doing one that's actually gonna, you know, keep me interested? And then later on, it got it got got real interesting, especially with their final standoff, which is why I didn't do a whole riff on that. I was like, oh hey, now this is getting pretty good because she finally brandishes the knife and she's willing to go ahead and take him out before he takes her out. That's what I like to see. You know what I mean? A little proactivity there. And it was, at the end of that, that was, like, satisfying because you got to see that she actually survived the night, whereas a lot of people didn't. I don't even think the person she was looking over would survive the night, I think. No, no, didn't. And she left the home and all that. 
So that that was actually pretty cool. And I think, if I remember correctly, was it the guy that hired her who was actually the psycho killer? See, that's an interesting twist. However, the last one got kind of weird because the last story, I know I didn't mention the first story. The first story is just a hackneyed plot where the the girl, um, a recently divorcee, moved um, into a cabin to get away from everything. And somebody, and she sees a ghost, and that ghost was warning her. But you see, the ghost pretty much was warning her that her neighbor was the guy who killed the previous owner of that house, which was the ghost. And she was trying to warn the divorcee about it. You know, and you see where this is going, because there's like cabin fever plots to this. And, you know, above and beyond on things. And then there's like multiple anthology series episodes that deal with that same thing where the ghost is saying like, no, you got to protect yourself against this person. I'm going to help you kill him. And then there's times where it realized that the person is schizo and there's no ghost there. Now, that's actually pretty twisty. I like that. But this one was just, you know, we're, we're getting through this. So that one kind of prods along as well. The last one, however, dealt with a filmmaker that was obsessed with this actress and he he couldn't get nobody else right but she fit the role and then he somehow managed to trap her using chloroform to finally get to her and then he brings her down into a basement because it has to always be a damn basement or an attic somewhere and he's like we have to finish the movie we have to finish the movie and then he stabs her multiple times and that was and then he looked into the camera he said that's a cut and then when he says that, the movie ends. And I sat there for a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a one. This is a one. <laughs> so it's a one bloody knuckle for that one. The other one, which was um, Creepy Tales with Pizza and Gore. Uh, damn, I don't know. It might reach that level of Wishmaster 3 and gets no rating. Because, see, the problem with this movie is they had some decent premises in there. Five tales, of course. But each and every single one of those tales, well, the first one was really, really good because it dealt with this ghost in the machine kind of story. And then the ghost would come every time, like, the users were listening to this certain music and the music was good, but they were summoning this vengeful spirit. And the vengeful spirit would crack open the skull casing of the person listening and eat their brain so that the ghost would become that person. And then that vengeful spirit would move on to another person in the friends group. You know, kind of like how they were going about with uh, some of those unfriended movies. Where, like, yeah, the person died, but the spirit lives on in the form of that social media aspect. Some of those movies can be kind of rough to deal with. Because, you know, the plausibility factor. But then when you really think about it, if they're able to go for something that we use social media for. And that we enjoy about it. Or any sort of outlet of the internet. It can hit pretty close to home. A long time ago, a lot of us used to do those illegal downloads, you know what I mean? And never thought it could catch up with us. Uh, never catch up to me. And, not, and luckily for me, I don't live in that home anymore. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, as I look at this, I was like, yeah, this first one is actually pretty decent. You know, especially when I rewatched it. Now, the thing about these movies are, is that you really don't get any dialogue except for the storyteller that's leading us in, the host of the anthology. So you kind of have to look at it visually, and then you're going to have to piece it together all in one. Now, some of those stories actually made it to the point where it was like, hey, the first one's good. 
Then the second one, however, dealt with um, a satanic ritual. And pretty much it ended when the person that was being sacrificed got killed. So it really didn't have any drama to it. I mean, I could go ahead and riff on it and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he just got caught up after making a wrong turn at Ace Hardware or something. You know what I'm saying? I could go ahead and tell a little plot piece like that, but it it, it just wasn't palpable, man. Like, you know what I mean? It didn't reach out like anything. However, considering that it was made in Italy, and, you know, like some of that Italian horror right there with all the blood and all the color coding and all that kind of stuff, that's in that movie. That The visuals of the movie is fine. It's just, you know, like, what the hell's going on? What's the substance? And then, like, you know, with no dialogue, you know, you got to fill that in. Because a long time ago, like, you know, in filmmaking, we didn't have dialogue. But we kind of knew what was going on by the way that the performances and the way, like, um, you know, the aesthetics and the structure and the lights. Like, everything there told a story. And then, like, when you look at it on this particular film, it's like, mm, it seems like they're just trying to find ways to be gory. So that's what happened with that first one you know, was, is that, that one actually told you a story, but this one was like, well, I don't know about it carrying over, and you see the satanic signs, and you're like, yeah, they're gonna sacrifice somebody, and it turned out to be this one dude, maybe he was something that was important to him, I don't know, anyway, scratch that one, it just didn't matter, the third one, on the other hand, was dealing with a demon being summoned, or somebody was alone at home, and a demon was coming back from the dead, or something like that, it was like her long-lost girlfriend or something. This one didn't go in-depth with too much either, because eventually she walked out of her home. She went to, like, where the satanic shack was or something, and then, like, the demon that of her girlfriend was killing or slaughtering people for a little bit. It didn't go into too much detail with the killings and slaughterings. It just implied it. And then as she came back, you know... She scared the living hell out of her girlfriend. Her girlfriend didn't want nothing to do with her as she came back from the dead. But later on, to make sure she stopped running away, Demon Girl went ahead and decapitated her. <laughs> so as she laid there, the demon looked right down at her, took out a took something out of her pocket, and it was a ring, slid it on the dead girl's finger, and then slowly but surely climbed up over her and hugged her. And then that was it. And then, like, the, the the host said, together forever. Yeah, but you're going to have to get some deep staples to put that head back together. I, I don't know. I mean, let, let me just think about it. Like, I, I care about my love interest from her head down to her toes. I don't, I don't see anything about, like, being with her body when she's decapitated. That's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's even me and, like, you know, the... The dark side standards of things. Like, say, like, if I was a demon and stuff, I'd be like, nah, you're going to be completed, woman. This is how it's going to work. <laughs> things like that. You know, but like I said, that one was, eh, once you realize the substance of it, it's like, oh, okay. And then the fourth one, ah, the hell with the fourth one. The fourth one didn't make any damn sense. And then the fifth one, because, you know, that anchor film could either make or break the anthology. Usually it's the middle one, too, but... This one, some of these, they don't even know how to end well because this one dealt with a killer videotape. Like, one of these last videotapes on Earth became sentient and decided to take revenge on, like, the college student that didn't want nothing to do with it. I guess because they were, you know, the ring was that popular at the time. So, yeah, VHS tapes, evil VHS tapes, go from here, go from there. 
Well, once again, you really, really don't know because there's no dialogue to it. And then, like, how did he get the VHS tape in the first place? Those are the questions that I have about it. You understand? And, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, visually, it's great. Like, it was interesting to see, like, they took a VHS tape, made it sure, like, in the way they film it, how animated it could be. Like, there was a point where the VHS tape actually had a knife slid, <laughs> like, where a killer would have it slid on its belt, had it slid right there between its tape as it was going after uh, certain people in the hostel. And I was like, damn. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it was funny to laugh at. But let me just say this. So as I go about this, I'm kind of iffy on that third story. But at least with the first but at least with the first one, and maybe that one with the tape, that's two out of five, and it's still not that great. You see what I'm saying? So, at best, I could say two bloody knuckles for that. Visually appealing, but no substance. And that's just for me. And now these films are on Tubi, so you can watch it at any time, and you know, you could go ahead and look at it and be like, maybe it's a different experience for you, but for me, eh, not the best. I kind of like the one that I saw beforehand called Watch If You Dare. Now, that one was nice. I mean, like, that was the one with the little nutball monster that bit, <laughs> that bit that dude's junk off. Now, I don't know why the hell they would make that one and put it at the fourth end of, you know, at the last end of that movie. But, hey, maybe they just were running out of money and they had to use, like, a quick story to tell us so that we can get through it. Because, you know, when you get to a certain period of time, movies are one of those things that where you're building something, you're losing money every day. And then by the time you're finished, you hope that you can recoup that money back. And it's 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 a very wild industry, you know. So, yeah, but for that movie, so let's see, Watch If You Dare, yes. And that was the one that dealt with those evil foodies in it. Now, I don't know if any of y'all met foodies where people are so obsessed with food that they talk about it from all the way, like, where it was grown at to, like, the chemicals they put in it to make it taste really good. And then all these other things where it's like, you know, hey, shut up. I just want to eat. But you got to enjoy these flavors as they come together, damn it. You know, things like that. And and I'm, like, sitting there thinking this. I was like, wow, this is actually a pretty good take. I mean... Oh, but then I realized that the dude that they actually brought there is uh, surrounded by people who don't hesitate to eat other people. Throw them right in the tub. They're taking parts of his body out of him. And I was like, damn, okay. They were seriously adamant about this. And then, you know, the thing is, he managed to get up, put up a good fight, managed to take out at least three of the most annoying people in that freaking Short story, but I will say this. He should have taken out that blogger chick. I would have liked it if he did that because she was annoying as hell. She go ahead and tell him about his restaurant and stuff, how it doesn't live up to par. And it's like, wow, what a pretentious jerk. Definitely a Twitter babe. You know what I mean? And indeed she was because her last line on there was like, this looks like the end for a last meal. And then she types it in. But the problem is with the main guy, he talked too much because his girlfriend was a part of this whole cult thing. And actually cased it and led him there. You know what I mean? And she shot him in the back before he could really do any other damage. And I hated that. I was like, ah. But then again, you know, bad things happen to good people. And then sometimes, you know, the ending that occurs in these anthology films are a lot more messed up than they were in the beginning. Because you see how hapless most of the people are. But then at the end of the movie, yep. He won't be in the work tomorrow. Just bad things happen to good people.
terrible stuff. Ah, boy. But you know what? Like I said, I, I like that one, though, because that one, I, I'll give a three to that because they were very ambitious with it. And I'll talk about the other stories like when I go ahead and I do my ratings for these things because as I'm watching them now, I know I got a lot of stuff to throw at you guys on Sunday. So, as I go about that sort of thing, I would definitely go ahead and give you guys a sneak peek of your ratings now. It's special, you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, there's another anthology film I watched with Al not too long ago. I wish he was here and well enough to tell you how he felt about it. Who knows? Maybe that movie made him sick because, let's see... It was the drive-in horror show. It, you know, honestly, the movies that were involved in that one were actually... Until you get to that last one, because there was five of them, too. The last one was the worst one. Because they were out in the woods, and there was this cannibal that was going after them. And once you put two and two together, it's like, nah, you don't really care anymore. You understand? Like, one of those little camping expeditions gone horribly wrong scenarios. But the other ones, though, you know, there was one that dealt with a college student. There was another one that dealt with... Mm, I think there was another one that dealt with love, if I'm not mistaken. And then the third one dealt with, um, hell, I can't even remember that one. <laughs> so you can see how, like, um, amazing that movie was. But for me, on the other hand, I mean, it was, it had in-jokes. It had moments where, like, you know, on jams where I do, like, those little host segments. Like, there were moments on that. So those actually saved the movie. So I would go ahead and give it maybe a three. Alan gave it a two, but he really did not like that last story. And I was like, sorry, bro. That's what we do here on the Monster Fest sometimes. We get a bunch of stinkers, and we get some that are classic. And then we get some that, you know, achieve cult status. And then some movies we try to redeem, like what maybe I'll try to do for Ghostbusters 2016. A lot of y'all hate that movie. But as for me, I haven't seen it in years, so I got to go ahead and I got to do a fresh take on it. So that's what I'll be doing. Torturing myself for the good of my community. Yeah, J360 Legion, this is all about y'all. Damn it. Alright, but hey, speaking of anthologies, though, it's time to go ahead and do some nightmare tales. And I know a lot of y'all are excited about that. And I found one that was pretty, pretty reaching out for a lot of y'all out there who are trying to jump into the dating scene. This one is called Speed Dating. I attended a speed dating event with my friend Mindy. I think I found someone she gushed to me during one of the breaks. I felt a twinge of jealousy. So far, the best contender I found was a Nick Beard who smelled strongly of pickles, who was also a liar. What about you, she asked. Some dumb guy who claims that he can make six digits as a life coach. She's, I said, I can't stand liars, but anyway, which one is yours? She lifted a red lacquered nail and pointed. A lanky man leaned against the bar. Long, dark hair slicked back. A black button up top. A garish metal ring on his middle finger. Him, I asked. She nodded enthusiastically. He did not look like Mindy's usual type. She was the kind of woman who went for the safe bets. The office nerds who called their mom every day. The grad students working on boring papers like an analysis of courtship in the 19th century literature. Not some half-golf, half-motorcycle rider. His name's Mika and he's incredible. Do you know what he told me? She lowered her voice. He said, I'm the prettiest girl here. And then I frowned. Another liar. And he works at Goldman Sachs. That guy works at Goldman Sachs? Definitely a liar. She nodded. I scoffed. I didn't know they hired goths. And then she said, what? He's not a goth. He totally is. The ring, the long hair, the black shirt. Wow, get a little stereotyping in this story, huh? 
What? His hair is short. I don't understand. Ding, ding, ding. Before I could reply, the event coordinator rang the bell, signaling that the second half was about to begin. I made my way back to my little table on the other side of the room from Mindy, which I was now thankful for, and took a sloppy gulp of wine. Wow, she's a keeper. Hello. I looked up, and across from me sat Mika. He was even more weirdly dressed up close. The first button of his shirt was undone, showing a gratuitous tuft of chest hair. His hands shone in the lights as if mildly greasy. Somehow, though, he was still kind of attractive, like those fries that have been sitting in your refrigerator for a week. And even though they're all soggy and gross, all you want to do is eat them as fast as you can. Damn, she's got problems. I'm Amanda, I said. Mika. So, uh, Mika, what do you do? What don't I do? He said under his breath with a condescending laugh. Uh, sorry. Nothing. I, 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 I'm an artist. He's lying to her. I knew it. An awkward silence fell between us. Finally, I started. So, uh, Mika, what do you like to do for fun? He grinned. Wider than I'd seen him grin all night. He then leaned in close, lowered his voice to a whisper, and said, I'll tell you exactly what I do for fun. Okay. I like to go riding at night, under the light of the full moon, with just the wind at my back and the stars above me. On a motorcycle? You could say that. Yes. Weird reply, but okay. I ride into town, see if there's any fun to be had. He made eye contact with me, see if there's any other speed dating events, for example. So you do this often, I said, not sure exactly where he was going. Have you met anyone you liked? Of course, lots of beautiful girls at these events. Then why are you still looking? He smiled again, leaned in even closer until I could smell the musty, greasy smell of his hair. Because I killed them all. My heart stopped. Excuse me? You know, you're the first woman I've ever met on here who likes an honest man. It's refreshing, actually, he said with a smile. I stared at him, open mouth. I... I don't understand. You're saying you killed... Ding, ding, ding! He stood up. Nice meeting you, Amanda. Then he was gone. The next guy sliding into his seat. I'm Frank and you are... I shot up and whipped around. Ran to the organizer and said, That guy, Mika, he just told me he killed some women. I I need you to know. She raised an eyebrow. What? Oh, no. My eyes fell on the seat across the room. The empty seat. Where Mindy had been sitting before. No, no, no. I ran out of the bar onto the sidewalk, into the cold, but the streets were covered with people, drunk couples, rouches, partygoers. Mindy, I shouted. No reply. An hour later, I was at the station reporting it to the police. I tried, I really did, but every woman at the event gave a different description of what Mika looked like. Some described him as a tall, muscular black man with a velvetly smooth voice. Hey! Uh, Others described him as a freckled red hair that had an amazing sense of humor. Still others described him as a bearded lumberjack man. Their descriptions only had one thing in common. He was their type. And the men, they didn't even report seeing any Mika at all. Mindy was eventually found. Her body was found in the forest at the edge of town, but not before her blood had been used to paint a crude landscape on the concrete drainage pipe near the lake. I guess Mika, for me, really was an honest man. Wow, you know that was pretty damn scary, I tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, look, see, when it comes to dating, dating in general can be a risk. 
But when it comes to speed dating at times, you never know when they pop up in there and they tell you what they got to do for their pitch for the, that few seconds or so. And then as soon as you get that, you should know about them red flags because it's open to anybody. I remember seeing a movie about that. I wonder, didn't this seem like this occur in Valentine now I think about it? I think it probably did, but there was no killing happening there. But hey, be mindful of these people that you go ahead and do these things to. Not saying that you should never date anybody. I'm saying just be aware. You understand? But then again, a strong black man with a velvety voice. <laughs> I didn't even know I was in the story. I hope I get royalties. I need the gross. Whew. <laughs> Let's see what else we got for you guys on the itinerary. You know, it's a wild thing, man. Like, when it gets right down to this kind of stuff. This one is called Security Questions. What is your name? Adam Liu. I want to close my American Express Gold card. I said hurriedly onto the phone. The train left in 20 minutes, but I needed to get the account closed before they charged me that damn annual fee. Okay, we just need to verify your identity, the woman. Oh, wow, it's a woman. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, she smokes a lot of cigarettes, the woman said. I'm going to ask you a few security questions, okay? Okay? What's your current address? XX Hyacinth Court. And your mother's maiden name? Greenberg. Thank you for that, Mr. Liu. We just need to ask you a few more questions to verify you. First of, which of the following addresses you lived at? Redacted, Maple Avenue, Redacted, Emory Circle, Redacted, Fifth Street, or none of the above? None of the above. Oh, these security questions. The weird multiple choice ones that you actually didn't ever pick. I sighed into the phone and checked the clock. 8-12, 16 minutes ago. Okay, what security system do you use? Have you used in the past ADT, Ring Alarm, Adobe, or none of the above? None of the above. A pause. I heard what sounded like paper shuffling on the other end. Then, how tall are you? 5'9", 6 feet, or blank? Listen. Hold up. How many questions are you going to ask me? I just want to close my account. I have to catch a train. Okay, one last question, the woman said. Her voice took a smooth, soft quality, as if she was smiling on the other end. Are you a gun owner? Uh, no. Thank you. We have verified your identity. Her voice suddenly grew chipper, excited. Okay, so I'd like to close my account. I said, 821. Damn it, I'm going to miss it. That's not possible, Mr. Liu. You can't cancel my card? Why not? A pause. I can't cancel your account, Mr. Liu, because I don't work for American Express. What? It's a common mistake, Mr. Liu. American Express is 5284800. You dialed 5294800. I, I don't understand. Do you know how many people misdial American Express's phone number? Hundreds per day, and those people tend to just be what we're looking for. Wealthy and dumb. I don't... They'll be there in a minute. You can make it easy on yourself and leave the house, or you can stay and fight. But I don't think the odds are good, Mr. Liu. They have guns and you don't. A pause, and then her peppy voice continued. Anything else I can help you with, Mr. Liu? I thank you for calling. We do hope you have a wonderful day. Click. I pulled the phone away from my ear, just in time to see a shadow flit across the curtains. Hello? I called as I took a step back, heart beginning to pound. Hello? Thump, thump, then a man, just a glimpse of him, running by, wearing all black, completely with a cap over his head, dashing madly past my window. I backed away. Click, click. The locks turned and click. Heavy footsteps at the back door. I turned on my heel and ran, threw open the front door, ran as fast as I could through the front yard until the cold stung my lungs and legs were weak. 
Then I pulled out my phone and called the police. They came too late. The house was ransacked. I was missing my TV, almost $1,000 in cash, and my iPad. I reported it all to the officers and told them about the phone number. And when we called it, we only heard beep, beep, beep. The number you have dialed is no longer in service. They left. Then I sat in my silence, my mind reeling. Then I got on my computer, an old half-broken thing. No wonder it wasn't stolen and wrote this post. To warn you, there are hundreds of different ways you can misdial 528-4800. Whoever these people are, jump from number to number pretending to be American Express. They ask security questions to get information out of you. To rob you blind or worse. Don't fall for it. Next time you pick up the phone, don't answer any strange security questions. Yeah, true to form. I mean, they're still trying hard to get a lot of us nowadays. Especially now with this whole pandemic stuff, you know? Or post-pandemic. Nah, it's still going on. But, like, things have gotten a little bit more manageable. But, yeah. Like, uh, this, this one here hits close to home. Because have you ever, like, had a moment where, you know, you're just sitting there chilling. And all of a sudden you get a call. And then you answer that phone. And then you're like, yeah, this, this, I've never seen this number before. And then you're, like, hesitant to answer. It'd be like... Hey, hello? And then there's somebody over there that's like, hey, yeah. And they're all professional sounding at first. And then there's people that go as far as to dig at you on anything. And then there's times where they bleep out where they work at. You know what I'm saying? This stuff is creepy. Like, when you when you go through it and you get, like, robocallers like that, it, it can be pretty damaging. Because I remember, like, when I was unemployed, right? Like, really unemployed and I couldn't even do... This this is, like, before I really got serious with J360, but, like, get these callers coming in, and they start telling you, like, oh, yeah, we, we have jobs opened up. We have all that stuff. Until I started really asking them questions, you know what I mean? And then I asked them enough questions to the point where they melt down and they ran away. But, yeah, this is, uh, true to form, but it really hits close to home. So you got to watch yourself on that sort of thing. Oh, boy. Oof. Oof. Shuddering at the thought of it. And speaking of weird messages, I just got one, and I had to look at that for a little bit. <laughs> oh, boy. Isn't it amazing how you can bring that stuff out true to form? It's And I'm just wondering this. How could somebody that's over in the awesome country of Zimbabwe need my American dollars to help bring their life back together. You understand what I'm saying? They're talking about like how they're the son of a CEO and they really, really need my help. Now, if I was crazy enough to fall for something like this, which I hope none of you are, how do I know if my money is going into the right bank account? You know, little things like that. And if anything, I should go ahead and write a response talking about how you know, I'm the son of a billionaire, and, you know, he cut me off, and I need all my money back. So could you uh, loan some of your winnings to me? You know what I'm saying? And then that way it could probably line my pockets up, and then I could go ahead and make some more J360 TV content. That would be wild. Figured I'd tell you all that little story. But anyway, let's see what else we got on the itinerary. Oh, I'm not reading that one to you. Not reading that one. Yeah, I don't think I'll be reading that one. <laughs> There's quite a lot of wild stuff, though. 
But hey, hold on a second. There's something in that corner right quick. I'll be right back. Alright, we're good, we're good. No worries, no worries. J-Man's alright. Though I had to see that corner uh, right there with that... Oh, it's just my jacket. What the hell am I looking at? <laughs> Sometimes I get so into these stories, guys. I mean, like, you never know if these things start looking at you from time to time. And I'd be like, what the hell? So it's like little moments like that. But I think I got a pretty nice one here for you guys. Because I was seeing what it was. And this one is called the Baby Monitor. So, any of you guys got kids out there, this will probably... <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Brace yourself. I got you something. John reached into the bye-bye baby bag and pulled out a sleek white box. A baby monitor. One of the fancy video ones. My 3 a.m. visits to the nursery starting to bother you, huh? I asked with a smirk. Eh, maybe a little. I think this will help us both sleep better. I glanced down at the mug in my hands, my fourth cup of coffee. Alright, let's do it. We set it up in the nursery that night, and I pointed my camera right at the crib and placed the monitor on my nightstand. I fell asleep watching the black and white video feed of our son, gracefully sleeping with his face in a puddle of drool and his butt in the air. Aww. Thump! I jolted awake. I grabbed the monitor. The feed showed James sleeping peacefully, butt still in the air but now in a bigger puddle of drool. I smiled, rolled over, and fell back into a deep sleep. That next night, as John and I were getting ready for bed, I asked him about it. Last night, I heard a weird sound from James's room. Oh no, you think we have mice again? Oh, I didn't think about that, I turned to him. Maybe I should sleep in there tonight just in case. I wouldn't want mice to get into the crib or you have the monitor, hun. But maybe if I was right there... <sighs> Come on, Carrie. He's over a year old. He needs his own room. The monitor is to help you work through this. Work through what? Yeah, see, if a woman takes a coarse tone with you like this, that's the perfect time to be like, mm, we gonna leave it alone. But, <laughs> work through what? The anxiety. Anxiety? Is that what you call concern for our child's well-being? He fell into it. I didn't mean it like, uh, good night, I said sharply and pulled the covers over me. I woke again at 3.21 a.m. Instinctively, I reached for the baby monitor. The blue light blinded me in the darkness. I waited for my eyes to adjust, but there was my little man, facing away from the camera, little tufts of hair sticking every which way, sleeping peacefully. I set the monitor back down in the nightstand and closed my eyes. Click. My eyes flew open. James was facing towards me now. Eyes closed peacefully, puffy little cheeks mushing at the mattress. Just go to sleep. He's fine. Stop checking him. Maybe John has a point. I forced my eyes closed. He's fine. The fog of sleep filled my mind, melting my thoughts into dreamy nonsense. He's fine. 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 Thump! He's fine. Don't check on him. Just go to sleep. Just go to... What? What? <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, I don't have any voice actors right now, so I gotta kind of do this on my own. But a loud cry came through the wall. Then the monitor. A second later, my eyes flew open. James laid in the same position, but despite the cries coming from the nursery, his mouth was closed. What the hell? I leaped out of bed. I stumbled across the hall. I grabbed the doorknob and yanked it open, running blindly into the room. James was lying in the crib, crying his lungs out, and a dark figure was leaning over him. Get away from him, you bitch! Hey, aliens. 
I ran to the crib. The figure darted across the room and in an instant slipped out the window. I grabbed James out of the crib and I held him tight against my chest. James, James, are you okay? Carrie, John, John came stumbling in. Call the police, I shouted. Someone was in here. As I held James tight against me, something caught my eye. The baby monitor camera, its red light blinking in the darkness. There was something propped up in front of it, a piece of paper. I reached out and turned it over. No. It was a photo of James sleeping peacefully in his crib. See, the thing about that is, with home invasion like that, once again, I know how a lot of y'all feel about guns, but I'm going to have to pop somebody for that. That's getting too damn close to, you know, me and mine. It's not only that, but it's close to where I sleep at night. Can't have people breaking in your house doing that kind of stuff. It's just like that story I read about that homeless person, you know, shacking up in somebody's house. Like, because they left the door open and that person walked right in there, managed to make a home in the cubby door, and able to come in and come out at will to, you know, live off of you. More or less like a parasite on an animal. And it's like, it's it's wild that this stuff happens. This story right here actually did happen to a couple at, at some point where they would go ahead and do this wild stuff and people on there sitting in, I don't know why they go after the kids, I mean, but it's just, it's odd that this stuff happens, you know what I mean? And a lot of, uh, a lot of you parents out there, so you gotta make sure you do what you gotta do to protect you and yours, but this guy would not have escaped me. You understand what I'm saying? It just, ugh, I just, I, I can't, ooh. That one kind of, that, that kind of scared me. I don't have any kids. But let's see if it messes with any of my nephews out there. Oh, yeah. Okay, this one is called, mm, I don't know, because, you know, can you guys really handle another story right now? Eh, it's my special, why not? And besides, I got to make up for that time when I went on that commercial break. I'm telling you, my clothes sitting up there in a, in a corner like that, that was pretty damn scary. <laughs> you know? But I don't know if I'll read this one to you, because that really hits close to home. This one is called Lime Green Paint. My boyfriend and I are in a long-distance relationship. To make, to make up for it, we Skype all the time. We're on one of these late-night video calls when it happened. Steve stopped mid-sentence and said, Ray, what's that behind you? I turned around and there was nothing behind my chair but a blank wall. What are you talking about? The crack in the wall. Harry's going to have a fit. There's nothing wrong with the wall. Oh, really? You don't see that huge crack spanning your entire wall? I turned around again and all I saw was that ugly lime green wall. Harry the landlord painted all the apartments in the building like that. All the walls white except for the one blinding lime green accent wall in the main room. No, I don't see it. I sigh and said in my most seductive voice, can we get back to what we were doing? Uh, maybe it's a glitch or some dirt on your camera? I sighed. Check your webcam. Fine. I clicked on the tiny image of myself in the corner and filled the screen. I froze. Whether it was dirt or a glitch, I couldn't tell, but there did appear to be a jagged, thick black line running through the lime green paint. That's so weird. I rubbed my camera, but it didn't go away. I hung up and re-entered re the call, but it didn't go away. It looks bigger now, he said. What? At the beginning, it was just a thin crack. Now it looks like two inches wide. Okay, but can we talk about something else now? But it's so weird. As we continued talking, Steve's eyes stayed fixed just over my shoulder the entire time. I tried to ignore it. So Mary said, what are you doing here at the salon in the middle of the night? And I said, Ray, behind you! 
What? But I didn't have to ask. As my eyes glanced to the small camera feed in the corner, I saw the crack behind me was wide, much wider than before, and four fingers were poking out. I got up and ran out of the apartment down the stairs, swung the door open, leapt into the cold night. As I tried to collect myself, I looked up at the apartment building and saw a dark shadow fitted by and from behind the sheer curtains on the third room floor room. I pulled out my phone and I called the police. I found out a few days later that someone on the third floor went missing that night, a young guy named Charlie Haywood. After a few days of searching, they found his body inside the wall. Yet there was no damage to the wall at all. And the body they found, though it matched Charlie's body by DNA, was in a severe state of decomposition. He was a little more than a skeleton, even though he only disappeared a few days ago. And there's the other thing. As the police continued their investigation, they found out that the ugly lime green paint Harry used wasn't just paint. It was laced with some sort of weird chemical that even the scientists had trouble identifying. And Harry? He disappeared the night the body was found. Ooh, yo, do y'all even know what your landlord does after you pay him? You know, you, you, you try to make sure you keep the building maintained and the maintenance just right. But that right there. Oh, my God. So make sure you take a look at the cracks in the walls and stuff. Because it could be a couple of bodies and some friends in there. Not to mention some other people that were probably annoying in the neighborhood. But you can tell, like, that annoyance there was uh, what really kept it all together. Because you never know what could be in the cracks of your walls now. Security deposit my ass. Matter of fact, I should go ahead and look around at the cracks in my uh, area. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Could be somebody in there. Might be me. Past life me. Yeah. I'm just messing around. But yeah, old Harry, uh, he was putting in some extra work. I tell you, though, it's it's just, um, you know, I, there's a movie that's like this, too. Well, several, but this movie here, it's called 13 Cameras. Y'all should check that out sometime. And while you're at it, like, check out the sequel, 14 Cameras, too. But, man, this is true to form here. So, you know, like certain times when I do these nightmare tales, I like to go ahead and take it to that avenue, but, uh... You know, if some of y'all stay up late because of it, um, I would say I'm not liable, but I don't know. Maybe I'm liable for this one. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, let's see. Do we have enough for one more story? Yeah, I think we do. This one is called My College Roommate. Last fall, I started college. I hated it. The classes were hard, the people were cold, and I had a hard time making friends. Yeah, that sounds like freshman year. And then there was Addison. Addison was my roommate. We were randomly assigned by computer, and it couldn't have been more obvious. We had nothing in common. I was nerdy, self-conscious, tall girl that frequented the computer labs. She was a blonde, petite softball player that spent her Saturday nights partying and her Sunday mornings in church. She was friendly enough. When we both happened to be in the room at the same time, she'd say hello. And then sometimes she'd borrow my shampoo, Without asking, of course. And sometimes I'd borrow one of her fancy-smancy granola bars in retaliation. Generally, things were okay, even though they weren't great. Until the night of October 19th. I got back late from an engineering class as I felt the chill leave my cheeks in the warm hallway of our dorm. I heard a scream from our room, Addison. Then, I, then she yelled, No, get out! I ran to the door, shoved my key into the lock, and I thought I was about to stumble on an attempted rape. Addison didn't exactly hang out with the best crowd, and she had a posse of frat guys that followed her like bees after honey. 
Addison, are you okay? She was alone, just laying there, crumpled on the bed all by herself. When she heard me, she whipped around in surprise. Oh, sorry, I must have fallen asleep, she said. She sat up and stretched. Sorry, what, what were you saying? No, I, I heard you yelling. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I must have been talking in my sleep. I haven't done that since middle school, she let out a little giggle. Sleeping. Hmm. My eyes fell on the bed where her phone lay. It was mid-call with someone. I could see the little picture icon on the screen. See the number timing and the length of the call. Were you on the phone with somebody? No, I was asleep. I stared at her. Um, okay. I decided not to press it. Maybe it's just a fight with a hometown boyfriend or something. Or her parents. But then why did she say get out? No one was in the room with her. The next week went by without anything too exciting. My classes got a bit harder. I spent more and more time over at the engineering school. Every night by the time I got back to the dorm, Addison was already asleep. And I could hear her light snores coming from across the room. See her cross necklace dangling from the jewelry hook on her dresser. On Friday night, I got home a little earlier than usual. I didn't have a problem set due until Tuesday, so I figured I'd just relax a bit. So as I walked down the hallway, it was dead silent, the lights flickering overhead, and I felt a chill course through my body. I have never seen the building this empty. I immediately shook my head trying to extinguish the thought. There's nothing wrong with a dorm being empty on Friday night. People go into town, hang out with their friends. Some even take trains into the city for the weekend. <clears throat> the lights flickered again. And besides, there's probably some people here. They're, they're just sleeping on the computer or something. Yeah, okay. My footsteps softly thumped across the carpet. The gold 21 screwed to our door came into view, and I pulled out my key with a jingle, and I twisted them into the lock. I twisted the doorknob. The room was dark. Addison out partying as usual, I thought to myself with an eye roll. I set my backpack down against my dresser, unhooked my bra, and climbed into bed. I pulled out my phone, scrolled through Reddit, sent off a text to my mom. The silence remained, the minutes ticked by, and I realized I haven't heard a single sound in about 20 minutes. My heart began to pound. A prickly, uncomfortable sensation crept up my arms, up my neck. Something is wrong. Something is very wrong. And I looked up from the phone. The dim glow of the screen lit up the room in a soft glow. The shadows were black and blurred, but as my eyes adjusted to the dark, they came into view. There was something on Addison's bed, something long stretching up to the ceiling. I, squint, I squinted in the darkness. It was Addison, standing on her bed, her head almost touching the ceiling, staring down at me. I yelped and jumped back. Addison, what are you doing up there? I shrieked. You nearly gave me a heart attack. She opened her mouth. It seemed to stretch wider than ever before and a sunken O shape that was blacker than the shadows around her. Damn. I already got the others. I ran out of the room down the hallway, footsteps pounded behind me. I raced down the stairs, the lights flickered. I swung open the door and then I collapsed, gasping in the cold, crisp air. They found the bodies the next day. Seventeen people totaled, all of them dead in their rooms because of death, asphyxiation, even though none of them were hanging from ropes or showed any signs of being strangled. Addison herself was found dead in our dorm room, splayed out across her bed the cross hanging from her neck upside down damn so wow you know when i did dorm life right and this is before i went to wilmu i went to another college for wilmu but dorm life was pretty weird and especially around like homecoming time when people start showing off and this particular thing uh 
God, was she part of a doomsday cult or something like that? You know, like like was she part of a, a sorority group that specializes in this? You know, because they used to do wild stuff. See, nowadays you don't get to do any of those crazy things that you see off of like School Days or Animal House, like because they actually put a stop to a lot of that stuff because they said like people were getting killed, people were getting hurt. But this makes me wonder exactly what kind of crowd she was hanging around with. If they're strangling each other and stuff. You, you get my drift? So, yeah. But, you know, in any of these college roommate stories, it's usually somebody that... We, we always see the protagonist and what they go through. They, they never really run with the popular group. But at the same time, the one that's the roommate, however, is the one that usually starts all the stuff. So it's like... Mm-hmm. I figured it would either be her doing the killing or she'd be killed on her way back from a party or something like that. Which is plausible because a lot of that college lifestyle does tend to be true. But I don't know if you would kill your college roommate to get straight A's for a whole semester, right? Would you? I don't know. Question for... uh, Why am I saying that? This is definitely Monster Fest season because usually I'm pretty tactful about the questions I ask. (laughs) Well, you know what, folks? I think we're about hitting that time. Wait, this one this one could be good for you guys, though. Let's go ahead and give you one more story, because these things are pretty good. This one's called Hanging from a Tree. I left her alone for 30 seconds to grab some water. When I came back, she was gone. Casey! Casey, where are you? As if she could reply. She's only 16 months old. She knows, like, five words. Casey, the panic set in. I I ran over to the pile of toys in the living room. The stairs she liked to climb, the bookshelf with the good night precious land on top, she wasn't there. What's wrong, Mark asked, poking his head out of the den. The fathers in these stories are usually like that, aren't they? You know, that's the thing about us. We show up after the event. (laughs) But we gonna save the day, though, I'd like to think. Who? I can't find Casey. Wasn't she in the family room? Weren't you watching her? I was, but I went to get some water. Now she's gone. A look of panic set into his face. He ran out of the room and followed me across the downstairs, shouting for her. I walked across the foyer. The front door was slightly open. Oh, damn. No, there's no way she could have opened that all by herself. She was barely even tall enough to reach the handle. Mark, over here. I swung the door open. Cars whizzed by it on the road. Puddles collected in the damp grass. No, no, no. Did she go out in the road? The dread settled heavily in my heart this can't be happening oh god no oh god no please no mark took off running towards the the road she's not here he called peering into the bushes across the side of the road i whipped around scanning the front yard casey i screamed as loud as i could muster i listened for her soft little babbling for pattering footsteps through the mud but only silence reached my ears right now she could be dying running in the woods tripling in the brambles falling face down in a puddle I glanced around the yard. It became a blur of green grass, white sky, the gravity of the thought that what I chose to do in the next few minutes could decide life or death for my daughter fell upon me. I was paralyzed. And what if someone took her? No, there was no way. We would have heard them come in. Amanda? Mark was calling from the backyard. Amanda! I took off across the grass, my feet slipping in the mud as I rounded the corner of the house. A terrible sight came into view. A tiny pink dot at the far end of the yard, hanging from the gray, twisting branch of a tree. Casey, I screamed, my voice now hoarse. Casey, 
Mark stood there at the base of the tree, paralyzed, staring up at her. I got to the tree. There, I recognized everything. Her little mouse print pink shirt, her, her brown curls, her light blue stretchy pants pulled over her motionless legs. She hung there in one of the lowest branches as a corpse. Oh, God, no, no. I kicked off my shoes, and I pulled myself up, and I grabbed her by the arm and carefully pulled her through the branches. She was too cold, too light. Casey, I was staring at a doll, a doll made to look like my daughter. Brown curls, blue eyes, and an outfit I often dressed her in. I began to sob, aching, scratched by the branches. I slowly lowered myself into the grass. The doll fell to the ground. Mark let out a strangled cry. We stood there, frozen, trying to process what was going on. Crack! We both looked up. In the shadows of the forest beyond the backyard, something was moving. A deer? I took a few seconds to process the shifting brown shape among the trees. I froze. It was a man wearing hunter's camouflage, running back into the woods. A brown, a heavy brown bag swung over his shoulder. We chased after him, called the police, shouted, and made all the noise we could. About a quarter of a mile in the forest, he dropped the bag and continued by foot. When we ripped it open, there was Casey, terrified, red-faced, mouth taped shut. I cannot even begin to describe how I felt when I saw my daughter alive. The police caught him a half an hour later, hiding in the brambles by the old creek. I bought some guns, I added shiny new locks to the front door, and I installed a ton of security cameras overlooking our backyard in the woods. If it ever happens again, we will be ready. Damn. Hey, man, it doesn't take much for somebody to try to hijack, like I said, you and yours. You should always have a way of defending yourself, and you should always be going with a little forethought on anything. That stuff is crazy, man. You know, what was he going to do with the kid? You understand what I'm saying? Like, 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 what was that hunt? Definitely a hunter. But not all hunters are like this. God, there's always that one, right? Like, you know, does it ever get you guys thinking, like, this stuff's twisted, man. See, the thing is, it's, it's not just a supernatural monster. It's these real-life monsters we live with. And see, like, whereas, like, when you read about how certain monsters are tragic, don't let it deter you from the fact that some monsters willfully do some evil things. Like, this is pretty much kidnapping, and then he made a decoy to lead the parents astray, like that their daughter is dead, and he had her in a bag, a duffel bag. Damn. I'm sorry. Once again, it's one of those scenarios, like, if it was mine, I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail for a very long time because I'm gonna kill that bastard. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way it is. It's just like, oh god, I can't stand, can't stand people like that. But at least then I know that's a monster I can easily wipe out. I have no respect for people like that. None. So let's see what what else do we have on the itinerary tonight? I guess that would be. You know, really, I wouldn't want to just end the whole scenario like that, though. I do want to go ahead and make something laugh, you know, keep the show light, for instance. But, nah, I think that about does it for this kind of round. Oh, wait, no, 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 I'll give you guys a light story. You know, as I was working on a few things, I went to go visit my parents, right? And my mom happily came around like, yeah, we're on better terms these days. And she, she told me this, she's like, Jay, it's coming. And I was like, what? And she was like, six days. And I was like, six days of what? And she's like, six days until I squirted you out in the world. 
And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, she doesn't show that much, but she does have that J-Man humor there where I get a lot of that from her. I know I get a lot of my sarcasm and everything from my pops, but when she said that, man, and this is me trying to have breakfast with my dad and everything, and <laughs> damn, I, you know, I couldn't eat those eggs at all. The breakfast that I can never have now, you know, because of mom's. But the problem is I can't look at her and say, that's not true. Because, yeah, in about, in about like, less than six days now, I came around here as a person. That is wild as hell. And, you know, the thing is, she completely caught me off guard. So I'm, like, looking at that. I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. So, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Like, around the time of your birth, your parents will always, especially when you reach adulthood, your parents will always shoot off those embarrassing moments. And they know how to check you at that time. And, you know, when my parents do check me like that, I have more respect for them than they know. Because there are times where the humble effect comes in so many ways, but that particular way, that, that makes me laugh. And, you know, indeed, like, when October 30th gets here, that's all hail J-Man Day. There's not going to be any shows on that day. Um, Friday's still, no, there is going to be a hangout on Friday. It won't be live or anything. So, you know, like, the schedule is going to be a little unique coming up. And I was thinking this for the rest of the Monster Fest, right? How about this? I don't do any solo shows. I go ahead and I work with the tribe. I go ahead and get you guys more involved for the last part there. You know, of course, I'm going to be riffing movies and throwing those up. Yeah. And then, of course, the ratings are all going to be caught up. A lot of those things are going to be landing on J360productions.com tomorrow. But you see, like, as we go through these things, I figure, you know, this should be more of a social event, too. And anybody who listens to the shows are allowed to go ahead and partake. Like, if you got a movie that you wanted to talk about, hey, talk about it. I would like to see more stuff come in on the Monster Fest Hall. Yeah, yeah. So, hey. The only way I'll know if it works is if I try it, right? So, stand by for some cool stuff next week, okay? And yeah, I know this episode was kind of weird, but hey, I was prepared to go ahead and do something very fancy for you guys, because you all deserve it. I am always thankful of those that listen to the J-Man show, or any of the J360 shows. And for those that have been asking, no, Jams is not going to be canceled. Jams is going to be around for a while. It's just that Jams is going to have a change of the guard in some aspects. There's going to be lots of new people coming in. But yeah, we're going to be here working on this content for a very long time. But until then, though, I want to say happy Monster Fest to you guys. It's time for me to get on out of here. I got some more uh, things to look into. And I hope you all enjoyed the special tonight because it was fun putting it together for y'all. Laters. Mm-hmm.